everybody. I am Jay Hazelop, lead pastor of the Sanctuary Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're inspired, encouraged, and motivated to draw closer to God by today's message. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary Church. Enjoy the message. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. Let me just celebrate Pastor Jay. Amen. Pastor Jay is in the ATL this morning. He's preaching this morning and he's preaching tonight. Let's love on our pastor. Let's appreciate him. Let him know that we love him and appreciate him. Lady Christie is in the house. Come on. That sounded like maybe 13 people. If you love her, will you give God a shout for Lady Christie? Yeah. Amen. We love Pastor Jay and we love Lady Christie. Amen. They have sown into us. Amen. And some of us are definitely the better because they have been a part of our lives. Am I talking to anybody in the room? Yeah, better because of them. And so we honor the Lord. Amen. Will you help me celebrate our online audience? Come on, let's appreciate them. Thank you for making Sanctuary Church your place of worship on today. Let's go to work. I'm going to ask if you would turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to extract some things from the word this morning, and we're just going to ask God, amen, to drop it like it's hot. Amen. Amen. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, open it up. If you use your phone, if you've got some kind of... Uh, whatever, open it up and, and just get to 2 Kings, amen, chapter 4. And I want to, uh, to kind of just pay some attention, amen, to, to a particular text, amen, in the word. I want to uh, speak from the subject of use what you got, use what you got, use what you got, use what you got. Do you have it? 2 Kings chapter 4, 1, 7, 1 through 7. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't have it, say, oh, my. Too many of you said, oh, my. Amen. Come on, get to this word. I want you to see it. Amen. I want you to read it. I want you to see the word. So shall my word be that comes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the thing whereunto it has been sent. Somebody say, God, send your word. Send your word, send your word, send your word, and do whatever it needs to do. Work on my heart, work on my mind, work on my life, work on my family, work on my finances, work on my stuff. Work on all that goozy stuff that's up in the middle of my heart. Fix it, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me. Shape me, frame me, mold me, make me what you want me to be. And speak to me today through the life of your very word. Second Kings 4. One says, now, and I'm reading from uh, the NIV, it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah. She said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming to take him away and my two boys as his slaves. Uh, in other words, she's saying that my husband has a debt and because he died owing you, the creditors are now coming to take my son's to work off that debt. And she says, I've got a problem with that. Got a problem when anybody steps up into my family trying to take something from my family. I got a 
issue when the enemy's coming to take something from me. I got an issue with the devil when he is trying to put his hands on my sons, Michael, uh, Janelle, when he's trying to put his hands on Aaron, when he's trying to put his hands on my grandchildren. I got an issue with that. She, she's got an issue. She, it, it, it opens up with an issue. It opens up with some tension. She says, I got an issue with it. And so she comes to the man of God. She comes to the prophet. And uh, she says that he's coming. And he responds to her and says, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She says, your servant has nothing there at all. And then she says, oh, wait, hold a second. Except a little oil. I've got a little oil. I don't have a lot of money, but I have a little oil. I don't have resources, but I got oil. Perhaps she didn't own property, but she had a little oil. Perhaps she didn't have contacts. She didn't have resources. Perhaps she didn't have people in her family that would give her the money so that she could pay the debt down to spare her children. But she said, I've got a little oil at the crib. I'm sorry. That's some of my hood that just came out. I got a little oil at the house. I got some oil at the house. I got some oil at the house. Elijah said it like this. He says, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars because God fills the empty. But the empty are not to remain empty. Not because... Don't just ask for a few. He says, listen, when you go and get jars, empty jars, don't just ask for a little because I'm convinced that if you are only going to ask God for a little, a little is all you're going to get. If you're going to gather as much as you can, it's like, God, I, 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 want you, I want you to touch everything in my life. I need you to touch my family. I need you to touch my marriage. I need you to touch my finances. I need you to touch my prayer time. I need you to touch my ministry. I need you to touch my children. I'm giving you everything. Everything that's empty, I'm bringing it right to you, and I'm bringing you a whole bunch of stuff because I need you to do a whole bunch with a whole bunch of stuff in my life. Anybody feel me? Anybody feel me? Anybody got some stuff out there saying, God, I need a whole lot to be done in my life. So he says, listen, when you gather stuff, don't just be bringing two or three. He said, you go to everybody that you can. Now suffer the embarrassment to go to people and ask them for empty jars. Uh, stretch yourself a little bit and be committed to what has been said and watch God do what's going to happen with what I'm telling you God's going to do with you stretching yourself and knocking on doors talking about you got any empty containers got any empty containers got any empty containers you got any empty containers you got any empty containers can I borrow some empty containers hey can I get a couple of empty containers from you I don't care how small they are how big they are anything empty God feels everything empty and he says, go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it on one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. It's interesting that she only had a little, but she kept pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. There is a miracle behind the door. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. The oil stopped flowing. That tells me, Brother Norm, that if I keep bringing God something, he's going to keep giving me something. 
and when I stop, then he stops. Mm. Let's deal with this. Let's deal with this because, because my focus is really on verse 2. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, I, 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 I don't have anything in my house but a little oil. And so, and so I need to talk to somebody that feels like I just have a little. I need to talk to somebody that says I am little. I need to talk to somebody that says, I really don't have enough, Pastor Johnny. I need to talk to somebody that has been telling yourself, I'm not enough. I need to talk to somebody that has been saying, my situation is kind of scary and I can't see. I need to talk to somebody that is saying, my problem is big, but my pockets are small. I need to talk to somebody in the room that is saying, instead of me having more money at the end of the month, I have more month at the end of my money. I need to talk to somebody that's saying, I'm in a crisis. I don't have a car. I don't have cash. I don't have a crib. My money is funny and my change is strange. I need to talk to somebody that is saying, I've done all I know how to do and now I'm waiting on you, God. I know that you've got something for me. What do you have for me? What do you have for me? And so it begins with tension in the text. And if anybody has ever heard me preach, you know that if there's tension in the text, I draw attention to the to, to, or I draw attention to the tension in the text. And the reason I do that is because there's some attention that needs to be given to the tension that's in our lives. And some of us, even though we walk in and we smell real good and we bathe in Victoria's Secrets bath gel, listen, I, I, listen, listen, my son gave me some gave me some bath gel for men. When I showered this morning, I used bath gel. I sprayed some cologne on me, man. I, it's my mom's fault. You know, she did it with Avon when I was eight years old. You know, she, she, she hooked a brother up. And so I like smelling good, but I'm here to tell you that I know what it's like to walk into a church smelling good and looking good, but the things that are going on in my life are not really good. I know what that's like. I know, I know, I know the experience. And so I understand the tension in the text. I understand that the, the tension has to be given some level of attention. The tension deserves attention because I discovered that the war that's in my life today is oftentimes a result of a word that came to me yesterday. Yeah, let me help you to understand that. Some of us are battling battles right now today that is a result of a word that God gave you yesterday. And so the enemy is fighting what the God said to you last. He's fighting the last thing that God said to you. God said that you're healed and your body is wrecked with pain. God said that you're going to be delivered and you're still fighting and wrestling those things. A prophecy was spoken over you and you're still battling with whether that prophecy was true or not because there's tension in the text of your life. And simply because there's tension, I need somebody to understand that tension just always comes before a testimony. And so that's a word for somebody in the room. Great tension. Anybody got great tension? Let me back that up by saying great testimony. The testimony is coming. The victory is coming. The battle is already been won. The thing that you're battling with is going to be up under your feet. And if I were you, I wouldn't wait to see it. I'd start giving God a post-dated praise on it right now 
because he's not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he's going to bring it to pass. No word that he has spoken will ever come back to him void. And so if he made a promise, you're just going through the process. I need you to understand that at the end of what you're going through, you are going to be standing there with your hands lifted, your mouth filled with praise. Every enemy around you will be trying to figure out how come you didn't stop because God wouldn't let you stop and because the victory is yours. I just need 10 people that would put a praise on the victory, the testimony that's coming in spite of the tension, in spite of the tension. Go ahead and sit down. We're just talking. We're just talking, folk. We're just, we're just going to sit around and talk for a minute. We're just going to sit down and talk for a minute. So the war in my life is today is on the word that was spoken to me yesterday. And so I have to understand that if there is a war today as a result of a word that was spoken yesterday, I cannot fight today's battle in the strength of yesterday's bread. I need a right now fresh word from God. I need a right now anointing from God. I need a right now deliverance from God. I know he said what he said back in 78, but I need a 2000 20 word from God that will break the bondage and release the things that are heavy on my life because the thing that he said last is the thing that I'm dealing with. Can I give you word for that? John the Baptist points out Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and after he declared him to be the Lamb of God, getting ready to baptize him, God speaks out of the heavens and he said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Bible said that people around there heard him speak. Now the next thing that you see is the devil showing up in the wilderness challenging him with what God said last. And he steps in talking about if. You know the word on the street is that you're the son of God but if, if. The word on the street is that you're walking in God's power. But if you're walking in God's power, why are you going through what you're going through? The word on the street is that you've been down to sanctuary church and then got saved and sanctified. And you're down at the church lifting your hands when just a month ago you were lifting your hand to smoke a joint. But today you're lifting holy hands before holy God. And now the devil is trying to challenge the last thing that God said in your life. God said you're delivered. God said you're healed. God said you're set free. God says you're more than a conqueror. God said you're above only and not beneath. But the enemy comes to challenge the last thing God said. And so no wonder there's tension going on in your life because he does not want to release you. Some of you were the, some of you, you guys had a game on the devil's team. You don't have to wave your hand, but I'm looking at some of you. Some of you was his favorite. Some of you, man, you wouldn't be in no church on no Sunday morning. You'd be somewhere, amen, trying to drink some water, trying to relieve yourself from last night's hangover. Some of you were a hot mess, but look at you right now. You might not be a hot mess because you're hot and you're on fire. Amen. You're not what you used to be, but you're not what you're going to be because, man, you're in a place where God can put his hands on you and cause your life to be flipped upside down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so no wonder there's tension, tension to stop you, tension to block you, 
tension to challenge the last thing God said in your life. This woman is dealing with some tension. She's facing a crisis. She's overwhelmed with worry because the enemy's messing with my house. The enemy's messing with my stuff. The enemy's messing with what's mine. I birthed this, and now the enemy's thinking he owns it. The devil is a lie. Amen. He thinks that my body belongs to him. My body belongs to God. He thinks that my mind belongs to him. My mind belongs to God. I may have said some things that I shouldn't have said, but my mouth belongs to God. Devil, you're a lie. You're a lie. And so there's some tension. And so he's coming after this woman. And she's an unnamed woman. Look at what it says, verse 1. A certain woman, the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out, saying, she's a certain woman. She's, her name is not mentioned. And can I tell you the power in your name not being mentioned? You know me because I'm Pastor Johnny. I'm on the stage sometimes. But let me tell you something. Your name may never be mentioned. There may be some people sitting right next to you, and they don't even know your name. But God knows your name, and God knows you're a anointed and God knows you're appointed and the reason why you're up under so much tension is because the devil knows you you're known in three realms you're known in the earth you're known in heaven and you're known in hell that's how bad you are sit next to somebody and just look at them and say pastor Johnny's talking about you you a bad sister you a bad brother that's the reason why the tension is going on because you're bad you're bad you're bad you're bad you're bad I know that's an old school word we used to say that when I was a teenager girl you're bad you're looking bad dude you a bad boy I'm looking in a room filled with folk that are bad and the reason why there's this level of tension is because you're bad mm. yeah 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 see musicians would say man I love the way you're throwing that down you put some stank on it you got some stank on it yeah 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 you're praying and you put stank on it. You're still seeking God. You got stank on it. You're lifting your hands in worship when everybody else on your row is just sitting with their arms crossed. You're giving God glory and you're giving God praise. You're putting stank on it. You're going to the house talking about for God I live and for God I die. You're putting stank on it. You don't even have enough money, amen, to pay your tithes, but you're pulling out your checkbook and saying I'm paying my tithes. You're putting some stank on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, I went hood. I know some of you are college educated. You're trying to figure out stank on it. What in the world? I love the fact that God don't mind you being yourself. In fact, the greatest praise, the greatest praise that you could ever give God is giving him who you are. Let me deal with this. And so a certain woman, an unnamed woman, she's struggling with some things. And she goes to Elijah, and the first thing that I notice is that the scripture says that she's a certain woman who is the wife of the prophet. And this first thing that I notice is that it speaks to a relationship. She was the wife of. She was the wife of. She was the wife of. We're not church, just churchgoers. We're not just people that come to church and uh, uh, spit cotton and, and, and fan like a windmill and just give God praise. We're the body of Christ. We're just not church members. She is the wife of. That tells me that she was properly aligned. In a society where uh, there's a difference, in every society, there's a difference between a wife and a girlfriend. There's a difference between a wife and a concubine. There's a difference between a wife and a side piece. In, 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 in every, in, in, in every, 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 every 
nationality. There's a difference between being married to a man and being the wife of or being the chick on the side. I know you got a chick, got a chick on the side. I know you know you got a chick on this. I'm sorry, 40 and over. I went there. I'm sorry. I'm still holy. I'm still holy. 40 and over, the pointer sisters. The pointer sisters. There's a difference between a wife and a girlfriend. She was properly aligned. She was aligned. She was not in line. She was aligned with this man. And because she was aligned with him, she had access to who he was and what he was, his good, his bad, his credit, his issues, his sons, all of that stuff. And so legally speaking, because she was aligned, she was entitled to not just his madness, but she was also entitled to what his blessings were. And so legally speaking, you can be in line but not properly aligned and not be entitled to the benefits of an alignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you can be in church just giving God praise. In fact, the Bible says this. He says many on that day are going to say, uh, 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 Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, that, hold up a second. Uh, even though you cast out devils, even though you called me Lord, I don't recognize you. The reason I don't recognize you is because you were in the line, but you were not aligned. You were not connected. You, 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 you were not connected. It's a difference of being the bride of Christ and just being a church member in a church. And so it's a terrible thing to spend your whole life sleeping with the man who is not your husband, doing life together, having his babies, cooking his favorite spaghetti. And when he dies or decides to leave you, you inherit nothing because legally speaking, you are not aligned. And so you get nothing. She was the wife of. And because she was the wife of, she was attached. And the next thing that I see in the scripture, she is not just the wife of, but she's blessed by association. Because she's connected, she is entitled to a hearing. And so she steps into the place where the prophet is, and she says that I'm entitled to have an appointment. I'm entitled to have my name written down in your appointment book. I'm entitled for you to hear my voice because I am attached to a man that served God. There's something right about being attached to people who love God. I'm here to tell you, man, I, 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 at 18 years old, I, I, I contemplated suicide. I, I threw the extension cord, a real big, thick orange extension cord, over the banner of the garage, and I tied it. And I'm trying to figure out how do I kill myself because there was no, uh, no, no Facebook. There, 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 was no, there was nothing that I could log online and say, how do you tie the knot around your neck and hang yourself? I'm serious. But somebody was praying for me, man. There were people in my life. Somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, sacrificed their life, and prayed for me. I didn't have no doubt that God would bring me out because somebody somewhere was praying for me. And so she comes to this man who the Bible says a word never fell from his mouth. She comes to this man because she's connected. And because she's blessed by association, she has an, she's entitled to a hearing. And she's entitled to be in his appointment book. And so the next thing that I see is not only is she blessed by association, not only is she aligned, but she understands prophetic order. She knows that if I can get in front of a man that hears from God, if I can get uh, connected 
connected with somebody that knows God, hears God, connected with God. They're not playing some kind of spiritual game. Church is not about some kind of spiritual game. I gave up on that stuff a whole long time ago. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care about what kind of car I drive. It, it's not about all that. It's about having holy hands that are not empty. Be, be, believing God to use you and for God to maximize everything that he wants to do in your life. That's what this is really all about. It's about laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. It's about raising the dead. Yes, I said it and I've seen it. It's about raising the dead. It's about binding devils and body slamming demons that are coming after you causing the tension that you're experiencing in your house. It's about just simply being available for a woman that's going through a crisis, for a brother that's going through some serious stuff, being ready for them and having a word from the very throne of God in your mouth like thunder that will cause that man, that woman to be loose from their infirmity. I'm talking about oil. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, God help me do this. She understood prophetic order. She understood that the part of her destiny had to do with the prophet's voice in her life. I, I was an assistant pastor for 18 years at an amazing church. God called me out of there, and I pastored a church for 15 years. Why God told me to give that church up, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's not mine to figure. There was no money issues. There was no marriage issues. There were no membership issues. God just said, hey, I need you to release this. And it took me two years to obey God. And then God sends me to sanctuary. And I'm not trying to figure out why I'm here. I just know that when God calls you to a thing, you just do the doggone thing because God always has purpose in the process of what he's about to do in your life. And so all of this is process. And so I submit myself to the prophetic order of a man by the name of Jay Hazlip and Lady Christie. I don't know what God is doing, but I know that this is where I'm supposed to be because I understand prophetic order. And I also understand understand when there is prophetic order there is also a release that comes with you obeying what God told you to do if you can resist having an attitude because God I thought I would be further than this if you can resist the temptation of fighting what God is doing God is about to release some things in your life if you just go ahead and say God you've got my yes my yes and my amen and whatever you want to do I'm ready willing honestly do what it is that you want to do she understood prophetic order and she knew man that if there was something that was going to happen it was going to happen as a result of a voice Mufasa's voice yeah you know me man I'll go to a Disney movie in a hot minute I've got grandkids I'm a big kid amen you know the story Simba is hanging out with a warthog and, and a meerkat when he should be surrounded by other lions that roar in his life. Yeah, and he sees a vision of his dad. And his dad speaks from his voice. There's a voice that comes out of the vision that says, Simba. That's not how he said it. Simba! You have forgotten me. I have not forgotten you, Father. You have forgotten me. You have forgotten me because you have forgotten who you are. It was his father's voice that activated 
purpose and destiny and revival back into that young lion. He left there and ran to his purpose, to his destiny. He ran and got back around all the other lions that roar. You need to be around people that roar. You need to be around people that have a voice that when you're discouraged, you're encouraged. That when it looks like you can't do it, they say, baby, you got this. It looks a little strange, but God spearheads strange projects. Go ahead and do Jesus and watch what happens. Go ahead and do God. What's interesting about this woman is that he didn't say, let me do it for you. He required something out of her. And I know that feels uncomfortable for some people. But if you look at scripture, Jesus would never just say, you all right? Here, let me get up these pillows and stuff you've been laying on for 38 years and, and get you. He, he, he said, listen, get up and take up your bed and walk. He said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spit on the ground. I'm going to make some mud with the spittle. I'm going to put it on your eyes. I'm going to put it on your eyes. Now, I need you, blind man, to get up and go to the pool of Shalom and wash. I'm not taking you there. I need you to go. How you get there is your duty. Me making sure that I do what I do is mine. He required something out of people. And some of us are saying, I'm waiting for God to bust a move. And God is saying, I already spit on my hands. I already opened your eyes. I just need you to go somewhere and wash that mess off so that you can come seeing. Because you're only going to be as effective as you are clear. You're not going to sit around and read the word and not be clear. You're not going to sit around and read the word and he not empower you. The, 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 the movement is yours. And so this is what's strange about this is because her miracle was behind a move that made no sense. I've only got a little bit of oil and you're telling me to go get all of these empty containers and pour my little bit of oil in all these containers. 2020, for some of you, is going to be God requiring movement out of you that makes no sense. And can I tell you, those of you, you're even thinking about things that don't make no sense. Some of you just bounced a check and woke up this morning and God says, I need you to start a business and you're thinking but that don't make no sense I don't have anything in my account I just bounced a check but I'm hearing God tell me to do something that don't make no sense I need somebody in the room to understand I feel like preaching that the next thing that God's going to do in your life it may not make sense and some of you are sitting down on the next move of God because you're trying to figure it out let me wipe my face on that one. <laughs> and so get ready for a move that don't make no sense. I said get ready for a move that don't make no sense. I said get ready for a move that don't make no sense. Your God is a moving God. And he's about to bust the move. But you need to get ready for a move that does not make no sense. He's not going to get the supervisor's permission. He's not even going to get your permission. He just needs you to say yes to it. And you are getting ready to step into a miracle. Listen to what happens. Her miracle was behind a closed door. 
verse 5. So Elijah said to her, what do you have in your house? She says, all I've got is just a little bit of oil. And he said, go and boil the vessels, empty vessels. And then he says, when you have come to the house, shut the door. Now, this is not isolation. This is separation. Because some of you have been isolating yourself from people that God has positioned those people around you so that you can benefit from their package. And if you can see beyond the package, there's a blessing behind the giant. I just dropped that. Some of you got it, some of you didn't. The disciples were around Jesus and they said, why do you preach in parables? He said, because for them, they got to figure it out. For you, I tell you what it is. Yeah. Close the door. Shut the door. Shut that door. Because you got to separate yourself from doubt, discouragement, distraction, people, friendly enemies. You got to separate yourself, not isolate yourself, but separate yourself. You need to understand that your enemy is necessary. What did you, what did you say to me this morning, Norm? I know we on camera. Forget all that stuff. What you say to me? No enemy, no victory. Help me preach. No enemy, no victory. And so some of us are dismissing people. Some of us, at the end of every year, we're, 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 we're canceling people out of our Facebook and canceling people out of our phone. We're such a dismissive generation. We're just dismissing everybody. And it's interesting that Jesus had a dude that was stealing the money from the treasury. And he never even dismissed him because Judas is necessary. Judas is necessary. Let me drop this on you. It's interesting that he would take Peter everywhere he went. Peter was exposed to mountaintop experiences with Jesus. Not everybody got that. But when Peter started talking about, listen, nobody's going to come and take you. He said, listen, get thee behind me, Satan. He called Judas Satan. I'm sorry, he called Peter Satan. But when Judas came to kiss him, to betray him, he called Judas friend. Because sometimes the people that are your enemy is necessary. Can I give you word? I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. If you get rid of every enemy, you're neglecting the fact that God's trying to set up a table in your life. Enemies need to be around so that they can see the table that has been prepared. Some of you have enemies and you're saying God kill them. And God's saying I'm not about to do that because I need them to hang around long enough to see me bless you with what I said I was going to do in your life. You ought to thank God for every enemy. Because had it not been for Judas, I'm not sure if he would have got to the cross. And if he wouldn't have got to the cross, I would not have my victory. Judas is 
necessary. You better go ahead and preach that word, Johnny Thompson. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> so he said, separate. Let me, let me, let me, let me wrap this out. Or, or wrap this up. L look at what he says. She says, I only have a little oil. Zechariah 4 and 10 says, despise not the day of small things. Some of us are saying, God, I don't have enough. God, I, I don't have any money. I, I, I got business in me, but I don't have any money. I got, I got ideas, but I don't have any money. And he's saying, what do you have in your house? I got a little oil. And it's interesting because the first thing that she said is, I don't have nothing. And then she says, I got a little oil, which to me tells me that she didn't think very much of the little that she had. Mm. The devil wants you to think that the little that you have is not significant. He wants you to think that the little that you have is not enough to get the job done. He wants you to think that you're not going to college. You can't do that. He wants you to think that you can't sit at tables with distinguished people and you're from the hood. The devil is a lie. You, you're, you're not educated. You're, 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 not this, you're not this big name. You don't rub shoulders with people. You don't even know how to manage certain things in your house. And God's telling you to do big things. The devil is a lie. The devil is alive. He says, she says, I got a little bit of oil. All is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. All, uh, amen, and that's the problem. The, the, all is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And some of us, the problem is that we see the Holy Spirit as small. Selah. Meditate. Digest. Let that marinate a little bit. And you're only going to get the degree of God to the degree that you're able to believe him, to perceive him, to receive him. And so if you're only going to bring a couple of jars, that's all the God you're going to get. I hear you, Holy Ghost. All you're going to get is what you bring. And so if you're saying, God, I'm so hungry for you, I'll interrupt my sleep in the middle of the night to get on my face and call your name. He says, if you, if you do it, I'll give you more of who I am. Mm. God, I don't have any money, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out in the middle of this. The, the, the worst that could happen is that it fails, and failure just means that I start again more intelligently. That's all that it means. But if it don't work, that means that that wasn't what you had for me anyway. But I did go to the class, and I learned the lesson for the next thing that you're calling me to do. You have to understand whatever you bring to God is what God's going to meet you. For the measure that you meet shall be measured to you again, says the word of God. Let, 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 me, let, let me round it. And so she said, I only got a little bit of oil. I don't have a lot of money, but I got a little bit of oil. I don't have a lot of education, but I got a little bit of oil. I don't have resources, but I got some oil. Oil speaks to empowerment. Oil speaks to what you got inside of you. Kings were anointed with oil. Prophets were anointed with oil. It enabled them to do naturally what they could not do naturally in the absence of oil, the absence of anointing, the absence of power. And I know we're chasing purpose 
when we really should be following after power. When we should be saying, I have the ability to walk into a hospital room with a person that's incubated and tubes all over them and tell them to rise up and walk. I'm not just talking about a nice Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John story. I'm talking about power. I'm talking about oil. I'm talking about even just a little bit because little becomes much when it's placed in the hands of God. I know I'm not much, but use me. I know that I don't meet up to certain standards, but use me. I know I've got a long way to go, but use me. I've got a little oil that I got. And God is saying, use what you got. The oil, it's, it's the super that's added to your natural. The oil is the holy that's added to your human. It's oil, man. It's oil. I'm not trying to, trying to get some stuff from God. I'm trying to see if God can use me like he always did. Let, let, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. I'm going to wrap it up. I promise you. I met with a man uh, a couple of months ago. I was speaking at a men's conference, and I knew of this man. I, I knew that he owned a newspaper, and he's speaking at the conference. He says to me, man, he says, I heard about you. Please. He says, I want you to come to my office. I called him. I, I sat just an hour of his time. I sat with him for almost four hours. A millionaire. He, he, he says to me, he says, man, he says, man, do you ever listen to what you say? He says, I'm still stuck on a couple of things that you said at the beginning of our conversation and three hours have already passed by. He says, do you write this stuff down? I said, man, I write all the time. I said, my phone is filled. I say, I write a whole lot better than I ever talk. We got up from his desk and we walked into a room. He owns a newspaper. We go into a room where he's got his library, all these books that he wrote. He says, man, let me tell you who you are. He says, you're like a hungry man walking around with pounds of filet mignon. When I heard that, that spoke to me. It was prophetic order. I started going home, man. I get up out of the bed. If the Lord wakes me up at 2 o'clock and I got to be at work at 6.30, I get up out of my bed because I got a little oil. And God's going to use the little. I just buried uh, my pastor who has been my dad in the gospel for 41 years. He's my dad. He's my dad in the gospel. Pastor Lawless was not polished. Pastor Lawless did not preach pretty. Pastor Lalas never broke down a Greek and a Hebrew word. I never heard him. He's a country preacher. He splits verbs and all of that stuff. You know, he's just, he's, he's, he, he was not polished, but he was powerful. 
college preachers, I'd stand next to him and they'd walk over to him and they'd say, man, tell me, what are you doing? Why is your church filled with 15-year-old young people laying hands on people and casting out devils? That's, that's the environment I came out of. He said, man, why are these young people on fire? He says, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, we're polished. One man came up to him and says, he says, man, I can preach you up under a chair. He says, I know what I'm doing. He says, I don't understand why you don't preach like I do, but your, your house is filled all the time with young people that are on fire and anointed. They said, man, what are you doing? He says, listen, I mind my business. I stay out of everybody else. I just get up. I preach and I sit down. God uses me. I lay hands on the sick. They recover. He says, I'm not all that and you're not either. They were trying to figure out where is your power, man? He had a little and he just gave it to God. And when he gave it to God, God released it. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. He stands behind a pulpit. Where he's, he's visiting a preaching place. Somebody walks up and hands him a note. He reads the note and he asks the question, where is mother? In the Pentecostal church, if you're an aged woman, they call you mother. The note said, mother has died in the back of the church. We've called the paramedics. They're on their way. Keep on preaching. This man that is not polished, he puts down the note. He moves from behind the pulpit. He goes to the back of the church, and he lays hands on lifeless, breathless mother. And I'm standing there because I work with him on the altar, so whenever he moved, I moved. We get to the back. He lays hands on her, and she says, <sighs> she comes back to life. He had oil on his life. My mother, who is dying, the doctor says she has less than 24 hours to live. She tells, he tells me and my brothers, I go home and I call Pastor Lawless. I am crying. Tears are covering my face. My voice is broken. I said, Pastor, they gave my mom less than 48 hours, 24 hours to live. He says, John, I'll meet you at the hospital. He walks into the hospital with a little vial of oil. He pours some of the oil in my hand because he's done that many times before. He pours the oil on his hand and he lays hands on my mom who has less than 24 hours to live. And he says, God, you said in your word, if any sick be among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil. And then he said, God, candy got too much to do. Even though he had a little oil, God still recognized his voice. Three, listen to me. 24 hours turned into three years because he had oil. He had oil. He had oil. He had oil on his life. And if I can stir somebody in the room to let you know that you were born for such a time as this, and your little may not seem like anything to you, but man, your little means absolutely everything to God. And if you just simply give God what you have, God, I know I'm not much. I know I make mistakes. I know I stagger. I know I struggle. I know I fall down. We fall down, but we get up. For a saint is just the sinner who fell down, but got back up. That's who we are. And these guys are up here because it's time for me to shut it down. Let me, let me tell you 
She filled all of those jars with just a little. She filled all of those jars with just a little. They sold all the jars. And then the Bible says that not only was she able to sell those jars and get out of her debt, but she had enough to live on after that. Your little is really a whole lot if you give it to God. Not only will he get you out of debt, get you out of struggle, get you out of staggering, get you out of falling, get you out of less than enough, and bring you into the place of more than enough. All that he's saying I need you to do is give me your 